Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, July 6th, 2021. Hello everyone, it's Shannon coming to you on a hot and steamy July evening here in the Midwest. I hope all of you are doing well, staying as cool as you possibly can if you're in this part of the world where it is very, very hot. So today I have an author interview with Jeffrey Deaver. This is his second time on the podcast and it was fantastic to catch up with him and find out what he has in store for his characters and by extension his readers. Then of course we have lots of new books to talk about. It is the first Tuesday of July so there's so many good things coming out. I have about 25 possibly 26 books to uh, talk about in this episode and I finally just had to say like okay I'm done looking like there are too many if I keep looking I will never be able to stop recording this episode. So without any further ado let's get into the usual housekeeping information and then on with the episode. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am delighted to welcome author Jeffrey Deaver back to the podcast. This time we are talking about the Final Twist, which is the third book in the Coulter Shaw series. So, Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. It's a pleasure, Shannon. Good to talk to you again. Indeed. It's been a little while. So can we start with a brief introduction to what listeners can expect in The Final Twist? Uh, surely. Um, the Final Twist is the third in the Coulter Shaw series, which began with the book, I think we chatted about a, a little while ago, the, yes. um, the Never Game, which by the way, was just bought by Disney to be a TV series starring Ooh. Justin Hartley, if you know, uh, This Is Us, uh, a great show and directed by Ken Olin, also of uh, This Is Us fame. And he was on 30 something, actor, director, producer, of course. So anyway, that was the Never Game. Never Game ends and eight, Hours later, The Goodbye Man, last year's book, occurs, uh, Coulter Shaw's book, and about uh, seven hours after The uh, Goodbye Man ends, we start The Final Twist. Now, The Final Twist um, is, uh, for those who don't, uh, who, who don't know the character, let me explain a little bit about him. Uh, Coulter Shaw is my itinerant hero. 
If anyone out there has ever seen the, the old Western Shane starring Alan Ladd Jr. or frankly, any of the Clint Eastwood uh, spaghetti Westerns where uh, the strong silent hero comes to town, he uh, gets involved in local politics or local crime, saves the day and then leaves. I just love those films growing up and the books of the same uh, same name. Jack Schaefer wrote the book Shane, which is very similar to the, the movie. Well, I, I loved, loved all of that. I wanted to bring that into the modern day. So I created Coulter Shaw, who uh, is a, a self-described restless man. He can't hold a day job, uh, not that he doesn't have degrees, he's intelligent, uh, but he's restless. So he travels around the country in his Winnebago camper, uh, looking for rewards that have been offered by um, maybe the police for a suspect they can't find, or maybe by parents for a child who's gone missing, or parents uh, whose, uh, whose own parent, uh, maybe an elderly grandmother or grandfather has gone missing. And uh, of course, the reason for the disappearance is always a crime of some sort. Uh, Coulter Shaw travels there, saves the day, and then um, uh, rides off into the sunset in his Winnebago or possibly his motorcycle. Well, uh, the Never Game was about uh, murder in the uh, video gaming world of Silicon Valley. Uh, the Goodbye Man was about uh, a cult, a cult in um, uh, upstate uh, Washington state. And uh, the final twist takes place in San Francisco. And it's about uh, uh, the interplay between corporations and politics. Now, I know we've heard that before, but I give this a truly unique uh, twist, so to speak, given the title, about how government and, um, and uh, corporations uh, come together. And uh, I can't really say anything more about it because it's a bit of a zinger. But uh, if, if any of your listeners pick it up, I think they'll say, well, okay, never saw this one coming because that is one of the twists in the book. Well, and with a title like The Final Twist, you know, you sort of expect something very, very twisty. <laughs> well, my, I mean, uh, partially you would anyway, because you have, you're known for writing very twisty books, but the title just sort of helps that expectation a bit. I was, I was, um, I was going to mention something just like that. I love the, the final twist ending. And I, I will add, it's not Colton Shaw's final appearance. You and I are chatting right now via, via a computer on which there's another window in word, the word processing system with the next Coulter Shaw book uh, up and I'm working on that uh, right away. But the, the title, the final twist is, I like it on several levels. There's the, uh, the meta fiction level that is, you know, kind of a reference to the writing process itself because I like to put twists in my books. So uh, a, a twist is a technique I use in writing. Then within the book, the characters create twists uh, for um, other characters. And then there actually is a, a real physical twist in the book, a, 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 a gesture that is extremely significant uh, about which I can't say anything more because I'm a suspense writer, of course, and I have to leave yes. it in suspense. But I just, I just love the way that um, uh, it all came together. And in fact, the final twist the, the concept of the final twist, that is the last twist, occurs, I was able to work this out, it took a lot of doing, in the very final paragraph, if not the final uh, sentence of the book. Whoa. So um, that was, uh, it was a hand ringer for me. I hope it'll be a hand ringer for your, for your listeners. I think that's probably about as final 
as you can get, like the last <laughs> paragraph of the book. Well, I'm glad to know that this isn't Coulter Shaw's final appearance, because I did wonder about that when I saw the title. I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, if this is going to be the last one um, in, in the series, like instead of being a, a longer sort of ongoing series, were you going to stop it at a trilogy? So sure. I'm glad to know well, that that's uh, not the case. Shannon, I, I will say this, that the, um, um, the Never Game, The Goodbye Man, and The Final Twist are, um, I would say the, the trilogy is a good word. It's the Genesis trilogy of Coulter Shaw because um, we meet him and he solves the, uh, for good or bad, I don't want to give anything away, but he solves the, the key question in his uh, youth and going through his uh, modern days. He's probably about uh, in his early 30s now. And the key question, the key conflict was, why did his father suddenly flee uh, Berkeley, California, where he was a distinguished professor and his wife, Coulter's mother, were distinguished <clears throat> academics to a compound in the Sierra Nevadas. What was that about? Why did they flee there? And why did his father die, possibly as a result of uh, this uh, nefarious uh, corporation that uh, Coulter has become uh, aware of? So I had to get that all wrapped up. Originally, I thought about doing telling these <laughs> three stories, Never Game, Goodbye Man, and um, uh, the final twist in a um, a single volume, but when, well, I, when I did the outline for it, and you know, and we talked, we've talked about technique, and we can do that again today if you like. Uh, but I, I outlined my stories when I did the outline for it. I looked at it and said, "This book is going to be fourteen hundred pages long," and and Stephen King can get away with that, and uh, Diana Gabaldon can get away with that. But I think uh, I better uh, I better stick with what my fans enjoy, and that's the typical four hundred page thriller broke it into three separate stories and so we now have the trilogy the next book uh takes place sometime in the future uh, I, um, I don't have a title for that one yet but the fourth culture shaw and then i'm going to be alternating culture shaw and lincoln rhyme for the foreseeable future and in fact a lincoln rhyme titled the midnight lock will be out in november of this year so we're seeing Whoa, two, books. two books this year yeah yeah, because I had the last year of nothing to do but watch uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, reruns yes. or write. And I, when I ran through Veep and Curb Your Enthusiasm and saw The Queen's Gambit three times, I said to the whole series, <laughs> I said, well, okay, time to get to work. So I did two novels, uh, about four short stories. Uh, I, I do a, I write for Amazon original stories as well. And I uh, have done some original stories for audible.com, uh, audible only, some, some horror stories actually, which is a little unusual for me. So I use the time, the pandemic time productively. So I would like to chat with you a little bit about your Audible originals, because those are kind of becoming a big deal in the audiobook world. Um, people creating content that can only be found on Audible. So I'm interested in sort of how that came about for you and how you find it different, if at all, from writing sort of the you know regular suspense that you're known for that appears in multiple formats. Sure, I um, I came to Audible uh, in an uh, unusual way some years ago. I was asked by the International Thriller Writers uh, Organization, of which I'm a member, if I would uh, spearhead what's known as a serial novel. And how, how that works is this: 
I would write the first chapter and hand it to another author. I think that was David Hewlett, uh, Houston, David Houston, I'm sorry. He would then write the second chapter, taking the story wherever he wanted. He would then hand off to another author, maybe John oh Gilstrap or Lisa Scottoline or uh, Lee Child, and they would in turn hand it off. And I said, well, I'd be happy to do it, but because I like my twists and turns, I, I want to reserve the right to write the last uh, chapter or last two chapters as well. And so um, uh, we did. And I also said, I, I need to edit it. I, I, I'm not going to change anybody's content, but if somebody gives our hero a Glock semi-automatic gun in the second chapter, and then he pulls out a Smith & Wesson revolver in chapter 17, I'm going to want to change that for continuity. And yes. so uh, they said, uh, fine, fine, go ahead and do it. And this was to be a, an audible original, uh, not print. It ultimately came out in print. But ITW had just worked this out with Audible that uh, all the profits would go to uh, ITW, sort of a fundraiser. And I thought, uh, well, well, great, it'll be a lark. And I did it. And uh, it was called the Chopin Manuscript. It did quite well. And then I did a, uh, we did a sequel to it called The Copper Bracelet. And Audible, uh, I created a character named Harold Middleton, who was a, it looked like he was a human, human rights activist. In fact, he led a band of, uh, you know, kind of mercenaries rescuing people from uh, terrible situations from uh, the uh, uh, terrorists and, and uh, things like that. Anyway, he was, he was a popular character. And so once those projects were done, Audible came to me and said, uh, Jeff, um, we, we've got a, um, uh, we, we've had good response. Would you be interested in doing one just by yourself for profit? Uh, and I said, oh, you bet. And so I wrote an original uh, play, audio play, you could call it, uh, featuring about 30 characters, uh, starring Alfred Molina uh, and other actors, uh, 10 actors voicing about the 30 parts. Amazing to me how they did that. And uh, that was called the Starling Project, and that did very well. So I've just been um, in, working with Audible uh, since then when I've been able to find the time to do it. And I thought this was a good opportunity because it's a different uh, medium for me to write some um, occult uh, fiction because I've always enjoyed it as a, uh, as a consumer. I haven't written too much of it, but um, it was a, a great project. So I've done three of them under the... Uh, rubric unsettling. So any of your listeners who want to go to audible.com, you can look it up. And actually, I think they're, they're free. Uh, you, you may have to get a trial membership or something. I don't know how that works. I'm sure you can buy them too. But um, you'll, you'll take a look at kind of an eerie side of Deaver, an eerie supernatural side of Deaver. Side, yes. The, the regular they, side of is pretty. Yeah, super they are eerie. free if you have um, an Audible membership of um, of any kind, they're part of what's known as Audible Plus. Oh, is that how it works? Oh, interesting. Yes, we are big um, Audible consumers here at Book Bistro, so we pay a lot of attention to the way Audible does what it does. Well, thank you for that, Shannon. I, I actually had no because once it's done, I hand it in, and uh, I, you know, I listen to the readers. I approve the readers, who are wonderful. And then I'm back to writing something else. So I haven't actually explored how they marketed or anything. I leave that up to the experts. Yes. So do you find it different, like when you're sitting down to write a book that you know is going to be an audio only? Like, does that play into 
any of your um, choices when it comes to writing? Um, it, it really does not only in this sense that I am very aware in writing my prose, written prose, of the form of the words, how they go together, how they sound, uh, because we really read the books aloud in our heads. And I, I want the, um, the prose to have, uh, I'm, I'm hesitating here because I was going to use the word lyrical and that makes it sound flowery. And I'm not a great stylist. I'm, I'm a kind of a pedestrian writer. I was a journalist for some years. And uh, I, I guess I would say I have a meat and potatoes style, not a Coco Van style uh, or Coquille Saint-Jacques style. And that's <laughs> fine. It, it, um, I like to cook as you may, have, you may have deduced from that last comment, but, Indeed. but I, in any event, I, um, um, I, I like the way words go together and how they sound. And so I'm very aware of making sure that um, the reader will not stumble. I will not have a complicated uh, surname for a character or a given name for that matter. I will not um, put together, a, uh, I will not end a, uh, a word with a, a syllabant like an S and then start the next word with an S because that makes things difficult for both the readers in uh, both the readers of print and the readers of uh, audio. So I, um, um, that's basically it. I think for the audio though, I, I tend to have more dialogue. I, I tend to make it more of a, a, a mini play even though they're not multiple characters. Um, I mean, I have multiple characters in the story but only there's only one reader. And so I, um, I just wanna make sure that the, um, um, the prose will go pretty easily from the the, the audio reader's voice into the my listener's head. Yes, and I think that is such a big part of the audiobook experience for people. You know, if it's not like a, if the book isn't written well, then it's very hard to read it well. But b, if you have a reader who struggles in whatever way to bring the book to life, then that is is a more difficult listening experience. And so I really appreciate when authors are at least, you know, cognizant of however the book is going to be read, whether it's in the, you know, the, the mind of the reader, like hearing it out loud in their heads or by an actual like, audiobook reader. Well, speaking of this, Shannon, I, I wanna mention something to your listeners that um, I, like many authors, uh, have been a, a bit concerned about the migration of our audience away from books to uh, passive forms of entertainment, you know, notably binging TV, uh, video games in some instances, um, and then uh, listening to who knows what, like your wonderful blog. I listen to blogs uh, all the time. I subscribe to a number of them, podcasts and so forth. And that's uh, just a, I should say podcast, not, not blog, but uh, I, I um, am very um, aware that I want readers to experience books because books I feel are the most engaging creative form of a product, I'll call it a product, uh, that we have. You watch a TV show and you certainly enjoy it. I mean, The Queen's Gambit, yes, fantastic. Breaking Bad, fantastic. Uh, There's so many wonderful shows on uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Um, but when we are presented that on the screen, big screen or small, um, we don't have to do anything except absorb it. 
when you read a book, we are now participants. We are the set designer. We're the casting director. Uh, we're the sound man or woman. And we craft that book in our head. So it stays with us more. It's more engaging. I absolutely believe that. But I want to make sure that readers stick with the book. So what have I done in the Coulter Shaw books and my Lincoln Rhyme book that will be out in November, I mentioned, I've adopted a new style, which I call streaming style. And it's very simply explained. My books are now shorter. They have shorter chapters. They have shorter paragraphs. Uh, there's more dialogue, less internal monologue. Uh, the, um, the words, the word choice is staccato, uh, in other words, short, punchy words. Uh, nobody will ever have to look up a word in the dictionary. I have stopped using in my Lincoln Rhyme books the lengthy lists of, uh, of, of evidence, uh, chemicals, and, uh, you know, all oh, the- Oh, I like said, those lists. Yes, I know. It was a decision I, I had to make. I still talk about the evidence in the dialogue, of course, but I, I got a lot of feedback from people who said, and for your, your uh, listeners who are not familiar, in the Lincoln Rhyme books, Lincoln being a, a, a criminalist, a forensic scientist, uh, they would do evidence charts in his laboratory, he and Amelia Saxwood, and uh, the, the crew uh, uh, from, his, uh, from the NYPD. And the, um, uh, the, the evidence would be listed and it would be sometimes several pages of uh, deoxyribonucleic acid, DNA, and uh, hydrochloroquine. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah, we all, uh, people, I know people will be, will be disappointed, but the feedback I got was that the people would see that, they'd get partway through and then they'd skip, skim it, and they'd feel guilty oh. as they skimmed. And then they'd think they'd miss something. So I just decided uh, that it's still gonna be, I'm gonna leave it in the, the prior books that people haven't read. And you can't right, easily right. Skip, skim off it, uh, skip over it. But um, so anyway, this is the approach I've, I've taken so that when you sit down with the Never Game, uh, the Goodbye Man, the uh, final twist in the Culture Shaw series, the new Midnight Lock Lincoln Rhyme book, um, you are going to um, have more of a binging experience. It will move quickly. My books have always moved fast, but now they're gonna move even more quickly. So, um, but that's apropos of the, what we were speaking of with the audible approach to listening to books. I'm taking the, the video and audible approach in my new, uh, my new writing. So <clears throat> has the feedback that you've gotten since the change, um, has that seemed to be working for people? Yes, yes, it has. They, um, people love uh, Coulter Shaw. Of course, you know, I, I, I get such a kick out of looking at uh, reviews and people are absolutely in love with Coulter Shaw. Uh, no one has said, uh, although I've spoken on, uh, you know, meta projects like this, speaking about books with you, I've mm -hmm. mentioned the style. I don't know that people actually recognize that. I can't do anything more than get the book into their hands and make right. sure the book does what it should should be. But I, you know, I love criticism. I love looking at things. I get such a kick out of a like a one star review on Amazon, and I'm always concerned about that. What the critics say, I'm not that concerned about because critics often just write to hear their own voice, and they don't really bring a lot of depth to the discussion, but a one-star review on Amazon. Oh no, what is it? The book revived, re I received the book with the jacket torn. So he gave me a, a one-star oh. review. Well, that's, that seems <laughs> a little unfair. 
you know that i mean blame blame amazon or blame the delivery person for that don't blame the author but uh, but generally the response has been quite good from uh, uh, from the audience and uh, and uh, you know anyway coltershaw's alive and kicking and we're going to keep seeing him uh, so in future years lincoln rhyme coltershaw lincoln rhyme coltershaw with the occasional standalone thrown in so I guess we have bid a permanent farewell to the always fantastic Catherine Dance. Well, sadly, um, I am a, um, a business person when it comes to the writing business. And um, uh, Catherine uh, was a, a character who I found fascinating. For those of you who don't know her, she was in uh, California, actually, uh, the Monterey Bay area. And she was a um, kinesics expert, that is a body language expert, uh, police investigator for the California Bureau of Investigation, but she was, that was her specialty. And, uh, you know, I'm a business person. I looked at the sales figures. The reviews were fine, but they didn't sell well. And uh, oh, okay. hard, hard to say why that was. Now, if I um, were an author who could uh, draft a, uh, like Jim Patterson does, and I, I think this is great, uh, I just don't have the kind of mind that works this way. Uh, if he'll draft an outline, James Patterson, as you, you, uh, yes. you know, will draft an outline, hand it to another author who gets credit on the book, and they'll write it together. And he edits it and so forth. He's, he's very involved. Uh, but I can't, I can't really do that. I, I, I'm more comfortable writing a book uh, from start to finish myself. And uh, so I'm afraid I... Um, that and it, doing that would mean we'd have a Catherine Dance as a second book, and the sales wouldn't really matter. She'd just be out there. I wouldn't have right. to get much for it. But uh, and I have some ideas. But for the time being, sadly, I just don't have time. You know, it's ten hours a day doing the Lincoln and the Coulter, and uh, mm -hmm. I actually am writing a, a standalone right now. Uh, and then I'm doing all the short stories and trying to work on my fifth, fourth, and fifth collections of short stories. My goodness! Out. So it's a um, yeah, it's a it's a busy time, but uh, you know I'm lucky. I, I love doing it. I think about this. I I get to make up things for a living, and I it's don't true. Work, and I don't work in Washington D.C. How's that? Ah, uh, see now that is a beautiful thing. <laughs> so very quickly before I let you dash off to um, your next interview, can you let listeners know the best place to find you online? Uh, JeffreyDeaver.com and uh, Jeffrey Deaver or at Jeffrey Deaver at uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook. And you'll learn far more than you need to know about me there. Uh, that's always a treat, I think. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today. And I will definitely be looking forward to whatever else you have in store for us. Well, you bet, Shannon. Always great talking. And maybe in, uh, in the fall, we can talk again about the new Lincoln Rhyme book. Oh, happens. indeed. Yes. All right. Well, you take care then. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. It is time for new books. So as always, the first group that I'm going to mention are books that you've heard us talk about before most notably on our most anticipated releases of July episode. So we have here one that Brooke mentioned. This is Capture the Crown um, by Jennifer Estep. Depending on how you look at it, it can either be Crown of Shards book four 
or Gargoyle Queen, book one. It is the fourth book in the Crown of Shards world, but it starts a new trilogy. And Jennifer Estep is amazing. Brooke loves her. I love her. Natalia loves her. Sarah is looking forward to a couple of things that are out today. First up, we have Incense and Sensibility, Raja's book three by Sonali Dev. And this is a romance novel, contemporary romance, that is kind of based around Sense and Sensibility by Jane Austen. She is also looking forward to What If You and Me. This is the second book in the Say Everything series by author Ronnie Lauren. This is also a contemporary romance. And I am looking forward to the new Leah Johnson novel, which is called Rise to the Sun. This is her second novel. Her first one was so amazing, and I cannot wait to see how her second book is. And if you are a historical fiction fan, you are probably aware that the new Kristen Harmel book is out today, which is one that Stacy mentioned on the episode where we highlighted our most anticipated July reads. This is The Forest of Vanishing Stars. Kristen talked about the new Elizabeth Lim book. This is Six Crimson... I can't even say this. Six Crimson Cranes. Six Crimson Cranes, book one. Again, this is by Elizabeth Lim. It looks like it is sort of a retelling of the 12 swans myth um, from Celtic mythology. Although it looks like it has, you know, some other influences. Um, but Kristen mentioned that on our episode and there's a bunch of us that were really excited about this. So how about some books that we haven't talked about before? First up, we have some historical fiction. This is The Third Mrs. Galway by Deirdre Sennett, and it is set in 1835 in Utica, and there's all kinds of stuff going around about anti-slavery and the ways in which people should be like helping to keep black people free instead of, you know, having them like sent back to the South where they are, are kept in slavery. So this is the story of a young bride who finds a family of enslaved people hiding in her shed. And as she's kind of figuring out what to do about this, a lot of family secrets come to the forefront. Um, she also is kind of forced to deal with her own opinions on slavery. This looks really, really good. It is the third Mrs. Galway, and it is by Deirdre Sennett. Then we have Island Queen. This is the new novel from Vanessa Riley. If you've listened to the podcast um, over the past year or so, you've heard me talk about Vanessa Riley. And I love, 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 love her historical romances. I'm really excited for this, which is her historical fiction release this year. And it is a story of a black woman who was born into slavery, was eventually able to buy her freedom and became one of the richest women in the West Indies. This is a story of slavery, of colonization. Um, it just looks like a really deep and involved novel that really digs into parts of history that perhaps we don't like to look at. And Vanessa Riley is a phenomenal writer. So this is Island Queen by Vanessa Riley. 
we also have a new Mandy Robotham book. This is The Girl Behind the Wall. It's out this week in audio and in Kindle. If you want it in print, it is not coming out until September. But Mandy Robotham is known for writing these books that are set during World War II. Um, there's The German Midwife, The Secret Messenger, The Berlin Girl. But this one is a little bit different. It's set in Berlin, but it is right at the start of what we know as the Cold War. So it's a little bit of a departure. She's still focusing on Germany and still focusing on sort of that like conflict, but we're now moving forward a little bit in time. So this is The Girl Behind the Wall, and it is by Mandy Robotham. Next up is The Tiger Mom's Tale. This is by Lynn Liao Butler. And this is, it's not historical. This is more just sort of like, I don't know, general fiction, women's fiction. I'm not really sure how you'd want to categorize it. But this is the story of a young woman who is half Taiwanese and half white. And she has a difficult decision to make when her father dies. Does she stay in the United States where she can just kind of ignore this part of her heritage that she's never really explored? Or does she go to Taiwan where she has the ability to get to know her father's family as well as keeping them from losing their home? This is The Tiger Mom's Tale and it is by Lin Liao Butler. We also have the new Christina Clancy book out this week. This is called Shoulder Season. And Christina Can uh, Clancy wrote a book called The Second Home either last year or the year before. And it was kind of a, a family drama, um, women's fiction, perhaps with a little bit of a romance. But this one is different. This takes place in 1981. And it is about a young woman who leaves her kind of small town life behind in Wisconsin and becomes a part of a piece of American history. Um, she becomes a Playboy bunny. And so we get to hear kind of how that went for her and, and just get to know a little bit more about that. You know, I was born in 1980. I know very little about like the whole Playboy culture. Um, and so I'm really interested to see what this book is like. It is Shoulder Season by Christina Clancy. Moving on to some a couple of romance titles. I have The Introvert's Guide to Speed Dating. This is the second book in the Introvert's Guide series by Emma Hart. This looks really delightful. There have been some really great books with like similar titles um, that have come out in the past year or so. I know there's one called um, The Bookworm's Guide to Loneliness or something. And then there's one that is the, the prequel to this one, which is also like The Introvert's Guide. And I think it's to flirting. Um, but it's all this, like if you're not an extrovert, you know, if you're not comfortable with big groups of people, how do you manage the dating scene? I'm really excited for this book. I've heard such good things about Hart's writing. So this is The Introvert's Guide to Speed Dating, Introvert's Guide, book two, and it's by Emma Hart. We also have A Cup of Silver Linings. This is Dove Pond, book two, by Karen Hawkins. It's described as a seamless mixing of the magic and the everyday. 
where magic can be found in the tea leaves. So Dove Pond is a series that Sarah talked about about a year, maybe a year and a half ago on one of our most anticipated books of of the month episodes. And ever since then, Hawkins has been kind of on my radar. But as often happens, I got sidetracked. And so I have not read the first book in this series. But it is something that I want to check out. So once again, it is A Cup of Silver Linings, Dove Pond, book two, by Karen Hawkins. And now I am moving on to mysteries, thrillers, all those creepy, suspenseful things. I'm starting out with Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby. He wrote a book last year called Blacktop Wasteland, which took the thriller world by storm. And this is his second book. This is about two fathers, one black and one white, who team up for revenge on the people who hurt their sons and eventually like, caused their deaths. Um, it looks pretty dark and pretty gritty, so if you enjoy something like this, you might want to check it out. It's Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby. Okay, this next book is one that I just found out about as I was researching books for this episode. You have heard us talk about Michelle Richmond's novel, The Marriage Pact. I think it's been mentioned a few times since the podcast started back in 2018. It is one of the best, most unique thrillers I've ever read. And I am so happy because Michelle Richmond has a new book out this week. This is called The Wonder Test. And it is about a widowed FBI agent who becomes suspicious of her son's new school so obviously something is going on there. She doesn't know what, but she doesn't think it's quite right. So now, of course, she is going to investigate. The marriage pact was so, so outstanding. I cannot wait to see what Richmond does next. So this is The Wonder Test, and it is by Michelle Richmond. The next book I'm going to talk about has one of the best titles I think I've heard this year. This is Kill All Your Darlings by David Bell. And it is a thriller about a professor who, because he's up for tenure, really needs to publish a book. But he can't seem to write one. So when one of his students goes missing, he decides that he's going to take her manuscript that was supposed to be like her thesis, and he's going to claim it as his own and use it to get tenure. Now, though, the actual author is back, and this causes all kinds of problems. This is a very, very well-paced, um, super engaging novel, and it's Kill All Your Darlings by David Bell. Next up is Lost Girls by Jessica Chiarella. This is a book that looks at true crime podcasting. Um, apparently our heroine has a true crime podcast. It has gotten quite a lot of attention over the past little while. And she is handed a case that may or may not relate to the long ago disappearance of her sister. If you want to know more, you'll have to check it out. I know I plan to. It is The Lost Girls by Jessica Chiarella. The 
next book is one that will appeal to Brooke and to Melissa, as well as to anyone else who is a dog lover. This is Dog Eat Dog, Andy Carpenter, book 23, by David Rosenfeld. This is a cozy mystery about a lawyer. He apparently doesn't want to be a lawyer. He'd rather work with dogs. And he gets kind of caught up in this particular case. Um, apparently he has some kind of a foundation where he works with, with the rescue dogs. I'm not quite sure. This isn't a series that I read, but it's one that I've heard Brooke talk quite a bit about. Um, and I know that Melissa has also read at least a couple of these. So this one is Dog Eat Dog, and it's Andy Carpenter, book 23, by David Rosenfeld. Okay, we have to talk about Carol Goodman now, because Carol Goodman is amazing. Her new book is out. It's called The Stranger Behind You, and it is set in a former Magdalene laundry. Um, if you're not familiar with the Magdalene laundries, they were these places that young Irish women were sent when they were pregnant out of wedlock, and they were forced to work in the laundry. They were usually run by, like, Catholic churches. Um, they were associated with convents. When it was time for the babies to be born, they were born, they were given up for adoption, and the girls were sent on their way. So I'm not quite sure how this um, will feed into whatever kind of mystery that Goodman is writing, but nobody writes creepy books quite like Carol Goodman. Um, I'm so excited for this one. It is The Stranger Behind You by Carol Goodman. If you like police procedurals, and if you're interested in the Amish, this next series is one that you'll be interested in. This is Fallen, and it's Kate Burkholder, number 13, by Linda Castillo. And this is a long-running series, as you can tell, this is the 13th book, about Kate Burkholder, who is the chief of police in a small Ohio town known as Painter's Mill. She deals with a lot of of crime that affects both the English and the Amish in her community. And this time she's dealing with a murder that might be linked to her own past because the victim is someone that she knew quite a while ago. I've read all of these books so far. I'm really looking forward to number 13. I always enjoy catching up with Kate. Um, it's like kind of a, a summer tradition for me. But this is Fallen, Kate Burkholder, number 13, by Linda Castillo. We also have Silver Tears. This is the second book in a series featuring a woman named Faye Adelheim. This is by Camilla Lockberg. And apparently Faye is living in an Italian villa with her daughter. Um, her life is pretty good, but her murderous ex-husband has escaped from prison. And obviously life might not be so good if he's able to find them. This is Silver Tears, Faye Adelheim, book two, by Camilla Lockberg. And we have a new Liv Constantine book that's coming out this week. This is The Stranger in the Mirror, and it's about a woman who has no memory of her past. I don't always love the amnesia trope in fiction. I feel like it can be really convenient and overused sometimes. But I'm really excited to see what Liv Constantine has to do with this. It is, there's something really special about the way 
um, the sisters who make up the writing duo of Liv Constantine, the way they take these tropes that sometimes don't work well and just turn them into something so, so twisty and unexpected. So this is The Stranger in the Mirror, and it's by Liv Constantine. If you enjoy Kathy Reich's then you are probably aware that there is a new Temperance Brennan book out. This is The Bone Code, Temperance Brennan, book 20 by Kathy Reichs. Um, I tried to read a Kathy Reichs book probably 15 years ago, and I couldn't really get into it, so I never gave the series a second chance. Um, I don't always love reading about medical examiners for some reason, and that is what Temperance Brennan is. But I know that a lot of people really like this series. So this is The Bone Code, Temperance Brennan, book 20, by Kathy Reichs. All right, so let's turn our attention to fantasy. I'm going to start with a fantasy that's not young adult, um, even though the first trilogy this author wrote was intended for young readers. This is Half Sick of Shadows by Laura Sebastian. You may recognize her name from the Ash Princess books, which I really, really enjoy. Kind of that magical, dystopian feel that so much young adult fantasy has today. But this one is a retelling of the Arthurian myth focusing on the Lady of Shalott. And apparently the Lady of Shalott is finally telling her own story. This is Half Sick of Shadows by Laura Sebastian. And in the young adult fantasy genre, we have What We Devour by Lindsay Miller. This is a dark fantasy standalone novel about a girl who has the power of a god running through her veins, but she has to bind herself to this prince in order to save the people and the land that she loves. I've read um, Mask of Shadows, which was the debut novel by Lindsay Miller and the first in a duology, and I really enjoyed it. So this is an author that has stayed on my radar ever since Mask of Shadows came out. This one is What We Devour, and it is by Lindsay Miller. And I am ending today with the latest release from author Rainbow Rowell. This is Any Way the Wind Blows. It is the third book in the Simon Snow series, and from what I understand, this is the finale here. Um, a lot of people say that this is kind of a Harry Potter-adjacent novel, so if you like Harry Potter, um, you may enjoy this series. Um, my understanding is that it's a little bit deeper, a little bit more emotional growth um, for the characters, according to a friend of mine. Um, it's not something that I've read, but I'm not a big Rainbow Rowell fan. Like, I've looked at some of her stuff, and it's one of those things where I look at it, and I'm like, oh, this could be good, and then I kind of move on and never really pick it up. Um, but this one, in case you're interested, is Any Way the Wind Blows. It's Simon Snow, book three, by Rainbow Rowell. And that, my friends, is all I have for you this evening or morning, depending on uh, when you listen to this. I hope that at least a few of these books has made you super excited the way it has made my team um, when I was talking about all the great things coming out today. Mm -hmm. 
If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.